But Psalm 34, starting in verse 1, this is what the scripture records. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. O magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. So we dive into the scriptures together this morning as a community. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come here and now. That you give us an awareness of your presence. And that you would do whatever you want to. In your mighty name, Jesus, all the beloved said, Amen. For 840 days, uh, in the morning, first thing when I wake up, and in the evening, the very last thing I do before my head hits the pillow and I close my eyes for the night, uh, is read this passage of Psalm 34. Uh, 840 days, morning and evening, that has been my rhythm. I haven't missed a morning and I haven't missed an evening. Now, I don't tell you that because I'm 840 days better than you. No, it's not that at all. Uh, It's actually a confession of how utterly weak I am. You see, 840 days ago is when I got on my knees on my kitchen floor after praying and discerning and asking for divine revelation, after seeking wise counsel from the bravest and smartest and most Holy Spirit-led people I know, if this thing called Heart Church was what Jesus was asking us to do. And 840 days ago, I got on my knees in complete surrender and said, if this is what you have for us, I will do whatever you ask of me. But Jesus, if it's not you, I want nothing to do with it. Now, I don't tell you that because I'm better at surrender to Jesus than you. No, that's not it at all. It's actually a confession of how terribly weak I am. Because you see, in my place of surrender on my kitchen floor, as tears ran down my cheeks and joy and fear tugged at my soul, the only thing I really wanted was more Jesus alive in me and more of Jesus alive in this city and community. Uh, But I had no sexy strategy to make that happen, uh, nor any money in my pockets to carry out the dream. All I had was weakness. And in weakness, I cried out in surrender and asked the living God who absolutely loves me, what will be my strength? Give me something to cling to if this is what you are asking of me. And not like an audible voice from the clouds or Morgan Freeman and Bruce Almighty over the loudspeaker. But more like a whisper. In the depths of my being, I heard back Psalm 34. So for 840 days, every morning when I peel the crusties from my eyes, I get on my knees and I pray this psalm. And in the evenings, before my head hits the cool side of that pillow, I pray this psalm. Now, why do I tell you this story? Because this morning, what if the invitation from Jesus isn't to come to him in our strength, but in our weakness? What if the gospel invitation isn't to come into this room and put on our best behavior and make sure we look all put together? 
But what if the invitation from the God man is to come in our weakness? Surrender in our weakness to Him and allow Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit to do whatever He wants to do with us. What if the gospel is not just a pathway to better moral living, but a reality that looks a whole lot more like heaven on earth than the lies that we are currently living in of false strength? What if the pages of the scriptures became the very pages of our lives? What if the life of Jesus became the life that we were living? And what if the doorway is weakness? Willingness to cry out in need. And be found on our knees in surrender and have the words of Psalm 34 on our lips. Should we take a peek at it together this morning? Verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. You know what's awesome? The Bible says... That out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if we want praise to continually come out of our mouth to be found blessing the Lord at all times, it first must be embedded in our hearts. Remember when Jesus is being tempted by the enemy in the wilderness? Maybe you're familiar with the story. Jesus, he gets baptized and his hair is still wet from the baptism and he's immediately sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. And the first thing that the enemy does is try to get at his worship. The Bible says, And the devil took Jesus up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to Jesus, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will give, if you will worship me. And Jesus, he responds to the enemy, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only Shall you serve? Notice, the enemy doesn't come after Jesus to try to make him not be a good person. The enemy doesn't come after Jesus to try to convince him to not attend church or the temple. The enemy doesn't come after Jesus and try to convince him to not heal people or set people free and all of the rest of it. The enemy comes after who Jesus worships. The enemy is coming after what and who we worship. Because no matter who you are in here this morning, we are all worshiping something. Feel back the layers of your heart and what are you obsessed with? More wealth and success? Sex and desires? Comfortable living and the pride of self? What do we worship? Who do we worship? Are we obsessed with the world? Or the maker of it? And it's really interesting Because most likely everything of the world will require you to come in your strength and leave you feeling weak. Jesus, he invites you to come in weakness, to worship, and in turn, be all of your strength. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. The humble, the lowly, The weak, the needy. It's awesome because in this moment of Jesus in the wilderness, he's been out there, the Bible records, for 40 days, no food or water. Most likely, we would assume he is at his weakest. And isn't it amazing that in his weakness, in his weakest moment, 
The enemy attacks who he worships. Because in weakness, in our weakness, is when our worship is most powerful. For it is only the Father of Jesus who can declare that God is good when all of life is falling apart. It is only the Father of Jesus who looks a total fool in complete surrender and in weakness because their God is an all-sufficient Savior who calls them beloved. It is only the Father of Jesus who will worship when their life is utterly weak. If we want to reflect the Heavenly Father's heart for all of humanity, that is full of love and deep delight. If we want to bless the Lord at all times and have His praise continually be in our mouth, our soul making its boast in the Lord to magnify Him and exalt the Lord together, it won't be found in being good people. It won't be found trying harder. It won't be found in our strength. It'll be found in who we worship. And it will be found in our weakness. For where does true and real, genuine worship reside? In the heart. The overflow is what is heard off of our lips, maybe on a Sunday morning. The overflow is the work through our hands on the Monday through Saturday. In a heart set on fire with love for Jesus and his love for you, oh, it'll produce such powerful overflow that the very anthems of our lives will be a threat to the enemy. Are you with me? That's why the first attack of the enemy is at our worship. Because if he can get that, we might as well give him everything else. For what we worship, who we worship, directly impacts what we say matters in this life and how we live. Are these verses true of us? Oh, by the power of the Holy Spirit, would they be? The psalm goes on, verses 4 through 5. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Those who look to Jesus are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. Imagine the woman caught in adultery as it's recorded in John chapter 8. So much shame. But then imagine her face gazing up into the eyes of perfect love. Daughter, go and sin no more. Those are the words of Jesus. Stones in the hands of every sinner, but never one in the grip of the Savior. Or imagine the bleeding woman in Matthew chapter 9. Down in the dust, certainly ashamed, an outcast and rejected her whole life. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Those are the words of Jesus. One touch of his garment. Or blind Bartimaeus like Cade masterfully walked us through last Sunday. Imagine the shame for this blind man. Pushed away every day, banished to the roadside, but then all of it gone forever as his eyes opened for the first time to see the Son of the living God looking back at him. Or what about Zacchaeus? Or Matthew? The hatred and shame they both must have felt. Or Peter denying Jesus, or the man with the withered hand, or the sex worker, or the murderer, or the countless drunks who ate at Jesus' table, the rejects, the misfits, the unliked, and the never loved. Those who look to Jesus are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. No wonder the broken and the hurting loved hanging around the God-man. And no wonder the broken and the hurting have a hard time hanging around the American church. 
those who look to Jesus are radiant. I sought the Lord and He answered me and delivered me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. Who are you seeking this morning? Where are you looking this morning? Is there fear? Is there shame? My friend, Jesus delivers from all fear for He is perfect love. Jesus makes our life radiant for He heals all the shame. Who are you seeking? Where are you looking? So there I am 840 days ago on my kitchen floor. Fear and joy tugging at my heart. Alyssa's pregnant with Marvin. No money, no big building, no assurance. Just obedience. But how quickly it gets drowned out by the worries of the world. The deceitfulness of riches, the rumors and the murmurs, the lies of the enemy, the false strength of self and the pride that is so gross that it's hard to even explain. How often does the faith grow cold because compared to everyone else, we're doing just fine, right? So you and I, we get content with dimly lit faces and shame swelling in our souls. When the one who makes us radiant invites us to enjoy him here and now and forevermore. Wherever he is going, are we content to follow? No matter what happens, are we willing to step where he's stepping and go where he's calling? His presence. But how often do I stomp around like Petey in the courtyard and deny I ever knew him? How often am I like every single person of his disciples, his closest friends and followers, to run away from Calvary rather than be like John? The only one who stood by and watched his Lord die on that tree. How often am I the one arguing about who will be the greatest? Or turn prayers into ego improvements? Or how I slip into being a Pharisee and read the book, not realizing that it all points to the one who calls you and I beloved. I want to follow you, Jesus, wherever you're going. I want the gentle whisper. So why do we settle for loud ministry moments and try to measure our religious worth against others? Don't we want the whisper? That calmed every storm. Spoke the cosmos into existence and stood timeless in the vast array of creation as the one true creator God. I want to follow you Jesus. My shame is keeping me in bondage. And my fear has got me rattled. Who are you seeking? Where are you looking? You see Jesus doesn't just deliver. He is the deliverer. Jesus doesn't just heal He is the healer. There is no shame in His presence and you are invited in. No matter the story. But the sin, it cannot stay. So in His love, He will draw it out and cast it away. Life and light are His promise. Death and darkness cannot flirt with Him and He will not be mocked. Anyone and everyone is invited in. But to stay, To stay is to open your heart to the great physician and no matter how painful, let him work on the brokenness that is there. For that is the only way that heaven finds its way in you. But how? Those are the next verses, 6 and 7. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Don't you just love that? 
This poor man, weak, lowly, needy, cries out, comma, and the Lord heard him. But it doesn't stop there. And the Lord saved him. But it doesn't stop there. Out of all of his troubles. We should be undone that he even hears us. Absolutely wrecked by the fact that the Most High and Holy One True God hears us. But even more, he delights to save us. Now we must be very careful here. Jesus is not saving us from our situation and circumstance or our unfavorable moments and our disappointments. There is no promise of a shiny, happy-go-lucky life. I do not know why that that person was healed and that person was not. I do not know why a week ago that my son got to be born into the world and some others didn't. I do not know why that sickness and darkness wrecked that family and spared the other. There is no promise of a shiny, happy-go-lucky life. But there is a promise of His presence. His presence encamping around us. The more literal translation, surrounding us. The compelling story of the gospel is not one that says God stomps off as we fail to live up to His standard. Or one that if we choose to follow Him, we get the good life. No! It's that He surrounds us in the darkest valley and the greenest pasture. That He surrounds us when there is a battle raging that we can see or that we cannot see. That He surrounds us constantly. That never for a moment do we see the back of His head. That He hears us, promises to save us from our, our sin and our fear and deliver us from our shame. To bring us into the light of His presence and surround us with His love that is the only thing that could ever sustain us. That even when we have nothing to offer Him, He chooses us. The compelling story is that Jesus does not say be morally good so that maybe at the end of this life you can enter into the pearly gates. No. The gospel story says Jesus is perfect. And in His perfection as we live into Him surrounded by His presence and take on His life as our life and live the way He lived and love the way He loved carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit there is heavenly life now as our reality that he surrounds. And that in that surrounding, we live such different lives. Lives that don't need to have a scarcity mindset. Lives that don't even need to wage war with fear for he's conquered it. Lives that can surrender the pride because he calls us beloved. Lives that can hand him the shame and receive a completely new name. Lives that are so different that it is like there is something surrounding us in every moment. Do you know who surrounds you? Do you know how unworthy I am of his presence? But do you know that he delights in me anyways? But more than that invites me to live in response to it. Moment by moment, minute by minute to bless the Lord at all times. To have his praise continually be in my mouth. Because he's the only object of my worship. To magnify him together. To seek Him with our whole heart and allow Him to deliver us from all of our fears. To look to Him and have our faces be radiant and never be ashamed. To be poor and weak and needy and broken and cry out to Him and trust that He hears us and saves us. 
And that this Jesus joyfully chooses to surround us solely off of his great love for us until the dark valley is a green pasture or until the green pasture is a dark valley. His kingdom at our fingertips, his blood covering a multitude of sins, his heart in our chest now alive forevermore. This is not a church game. This isn't be morally good enough and get the heavenly places. This is Jesus. The gospel, the invitation to live by the Spirit today and live surrounded today and have it influence your entire life today. To have Psalm 34 ring out of us and be our very reality. Because this God of ours, oh man, he may be, he most definitely has sustained me for the last 840 days. But even more, he is the only one sustaining you and I right here and right now. And we are invited into the fullness of his presence, not by our strength, but in our willingness to be weak. To gaze upon the cross. To rest in the assurance of the empty tomb. And to live into the invitation of not just his death, but to come alive in his life. Psalm 34. Who would have thought? Maybe this morning, what if the invitation from Jesus isn't to come to him in our strength, but in our weakness? What if the gospel invitation isn't to come into this room and put on our best behavior and make sure we look put together? But what if the invitation from the God man is to come in our weakness? Surrender to him in our weakness and allow Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to do whatever he wants with us? What if it's not just a pathway to better moral living, but a reality that looks a whole lot more like heaven on earth? Let's pray together this morning. Lord God, we love you. We thank you that the doorway into your kingdom is weakness. We thank you that you look at us right here and right now with whatever is currently going on in this exact minute and moment of our lives and you invite us into your presence. But you do more than invite us. You desire to transform us, heal us, set us free from shame and fear and pride and guilt, set us free from death. So Lord Jesus, right here and right now, would you heal us? Would we be a community who looks at you and lives lives that are radiant, not by things that we've done or are doing, but because of who our God is and whom we worship? Holy Spirit, would you come and sift us? Holy Spirit, would you come and overwhelm us today? Heal us, set us free. Draw us further up and further into your glory and into your presence. We want to seek you here and now. We come to you in weakness. We thank you that you receive us, that you love us, that you hold us, that you give us a steady and secure and firm foundation. Thank you that you are everything that we could ever need. Would we rest deeply in the truth that you promise to surround us in your presence? Would we rest in that promise? Would we believe that promise? Would we come alive in that promise of your presence? Lord Jesus, would you have your way with us? We give you all glory. It's in your mighty name, all the beloved said, Amen.
as we're worshiping together this morning. Such a gift. I think a lot of the times, you know, we sing a song like that. This is how I fight my battles. And the question is like, what does that mean? God, I just want to encourage you this morning uh, that the best way to fight any battle is on your knees. And as we sing what's becoming an anthem of this house, I trust in God. Uh, We cannot trust in God from our feet. It's got to be from our knees. Uh, So with a total risk of looking like a fool, uh, I want to invite you to do something with me right now. Uh, I'm going to get on my knees. And if you want to, uh, while we pray together as a community, uh, you can join me on your knees. My friend Eugene says that the quickest way to change the posture of your heart is to change the posture of your body. Uh, So I want to trust in this God. Whether it's a dark valley or a green pasture, And the only way that I know how to do that is from my knees. So if you want to, you can join me. I'm going to pray for us, and then we can go have some donuts. Amen? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we together as a community right here and now, we surrender to you. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you. Abba, Father God, we surrender to you. We put all of our trust in you. We hand you our shame. We hand you our fear. We hand you our guilt. We hand you our worship. And we declare together as a church that we trust you. That your presence is all that we want. So we surrender together right here and right now today. And we ask that Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you would do whatever you want to do with us. trust you no matter how dark the valley or how green the pasture that we would be a people who are marked with praise and blessing in our mouth all the days of our life that we would magnify you together that we would seek you that we would know that you answer and that you save and that you make our face radiant Lord Jesus, it would be only and always for your glory. We love you. We trust you. We will fight every battle like this. It's in your mighty name, Jesus, all of the beloved Son. Amen. Go in peace, our church. You are so loved.